And a lot of times people say, well, I've been a good person my whole life. You mean I don't get to go? Is that what the Scripture says? Being a good person will get you to heaven? There's a, there's a way to heaven, and His name is Jesus Christ. And what we need to understand is, God didn't choose people that He wants in heaven. People choose to where they want to go to heaven. Because God says He's made a way for all of us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in Him. So He's provided a way for everybody. The question is, do we accept that way into our life? And will we accept the sacrifice paid for us there on the cross? And that's why we know that we're going is because we have accepted him if you don't know where you're going then maybe you want to consider that in your life because jesus is the way he said i am the truth and the life and no man cometh to the father but by me and we'll go to the message now turn with me to james chapter one james was a brother of jesus was not always a believer. At one time, he even actually joined together to try to stop uh, Jesus from doing his ministry. Went with his mother and other believers to try to prevent Jesus from going. They, they were worried about him and the controversy he was stirring up as he told people about the Word of God and what it meant. And uh, today... Um, we're going to look at some things here because we've been doing a study on Wednesday night about being on mission with God. And in that, it talks about allowing God to lead you and guide you and you joining with God and going and accomplishing in these missions. And so as I've been teaching that and going through the study, I've been asking God to speak to me, especially about what to preach with all this going on. It's real easy to want to follow after some of this stuff and and, and pick and choose, and and uh, this week I was just spending some time in prayer and and saying, God, you know, I need some direction. Every time we get up, there's something new happening. And He reminded me what He'd called me to do. And He said, "I've called you to preach the gospel and to disciple people." And what does it mean to be a disciple of an individual? And that's what we're going to talk about today. What does it mean for you to be a disciple? Because a lot of people will think a disciple is just those 11 men that followed Jesus there, and those were the disciples. They were the first disciples. There was actually 12 of them, if you remember, but one of them wasn't a follower. He just joined the group. He actually turned against Jesus. But what you need to understand is, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you are a disciple. And you need to learn to be a good disciple. You need to learn to do all that you can to fulfill that role so that when you are called by your God to come home, He will look at you and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. So the next few weeks we're going to be talking about that. 
Are you in James chapter 1? Well, you may want to look at verse 22, which is up there right now. But prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks into he looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning? See anybody strange there? The same guy that was there yesterday, but he's not the guy that was there 20 years ago. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of the liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetter, a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. A lot of times people begin to use this and talk about being a doer of the Word, and they talk about, well, what do I do in the church? What kind of ministries do I do? This is really not what it's talking about. Because, Lord, He says, a doer of the Word. Well, what's the Word? What's the Word? We're going to find out. We're going to begin to move back there because it's not a doer of, of elements. It's not a doer of deeds. It's a doer of the Word because a doer of the Word is what a disciple truly is. So you need to turn with me to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, as John began his gospel with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, Nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The Word, if you go on down to verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh. So the Word is the Word of God. So to be a doer of the Word means you're doing everything that God has spoken in there you represent god's word through your life you represent god through your deeds and everything you do through your thoughts through your ambitions through your prayer and everything that you're doing is representing god and how did he present that to us what's our visual link to this jesus christ and because Jesus Christ was that visual we see in his actions and everything that he did was a presentation of who God was. Was Jesus a doer of the word? They tried to trick him. They tried to, to pull him astray. But he always did what God's word said. Even there in the garden just prior to uh, his is it uh, a, the, the cross and everything he was about to go through when he prayed that if it would be possible for this to pass from him, he said, nevertheless, thy will be done. He never allowed his emotions or his concerns or his desires 
to overshadow God's desires. So for us to be a true disciple of Christ, we need to begin to let that same mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus. We need to allow ourselves to become in a place where every day we're doing what God desires for us. Now what He desires for me is going to be different from you to some extent. My calling is going to be different than yours. Your calling is going to be different than your spouse or different from your neighbor. But the ultimate thing is, is to be full of grace and truth. Because that's what he says in verse 14, that Jesus was the Word, and in Him was grace and truth. When you think about those two words, they ought to be a guide to everything you do in your life. Grace, something you share with those around you. Grace is something you desire for you. We're saved by grace through faith, right? God's grace saves us as we put our faith in His Son. In other words, God's mercy, unmerited love, is given to us in spite of who we are. So our grace should be learning to have grace with those around us, especially the brothers and sisters in Christ. So we should be representing that in everything we do. Because if you want to receive grace, you need to be a learn, learn to give grace and understand that God's working in my life as well as yours. I can remember times that, uh, in conversations in years past when I, I would be talking with somebody and they'd want to get down on the preacher. And uh, in other words, what were you having for Sunday lunch? It was roasted preacher. Because he was doing something that had made somebody mad. Well, let me tell you a little bit about preachers. They're not perfect. So to quit expecting them to be perfect. They're men just like you are. They're subject to things just like you are. They will make mistakes. I make some. Don't ask my wife because you could. You don't have time for the list. But I make mistakes. I will make mistakes with you. But you know what? I'm striving to live in grace, and I try to give grace, but I also want to be a recipient of grace because that's what it's all about. Now, everybody knows I'm a big jokester. I run my mouth sometimes when I ought not to. But I've always said, when I'm up here, the bread's out here. Uh -huh. You sit over here by Barbara, okay? Y'all can hate me in together. But I love life. I love joking. I love having fun. And I pick at people, and some of them I pick at more than others, but they pick back. But when I get up here, I've always made a promise to God, and I've made a promise to you. I'm not going to ever make light of the gospel. Because, see, I grew up in a church that told me I was all right just because I came to church. I grew up in a, in, in, with an attitude that because I was an American, I was a Christian. That's not what the Word of God says. I grew up thinking that just be a good person and I would spend eternity in heaven. 
and I could do whatever I wanted in between. And then I found out all of that was a lie and a deception. And I found out that I was rejecting the, the only way to heaven, which was Jesus Christ. So when I got saved and God called me to preach, I said, God, I will preach the truth and I won't worry about what anything else says. You may not agree with what I say, but I always tell people, I said, you take it up with the author of the book. Because I didn't write the book. I'm a presenter of the book. So you take it up with him and argue all day long and you'll be wasting your breath. You might as well just shut up because he wrote the book and he's going to stand by the book because he is the word. He is full of grace, but he's a God that holds people accountable too. And that's the truth of the matter. And so as a disciple, it means each one of us has to learn to live in the truth and apply the truth to our life, but also be truthful in everything we do. Remember what James was talking about, looking into the mirror? When you look into the mirror and you see something and you walk away, you'll see things different. You won't ever recognize. There's days I look in there and I think, who is this guy? Then you put your glasses on and say, oh, I've seen you. I remember when you were 18, We change. I've changed. Physically, I've changed the way I look. I went and got a haircut yesterday, and I don't know where Angel came up with all the gray hair that was hitting the floor, but she said it came from my head. Yeah? And I looked over there at Robert and said, at least I've got something on top of my head. David was over at the, oh, I got one. He'd clip it there and stuff. But we got a haircut. And, and, and Robert, neither one of us looked like we did 30 years ago, did we? Because we changed physically. And a lot of times we forget. Well, it's the same way if you're a hearer of the Word and not a doer of the Word. Because a lot of Christians have gotten saved and they've forgotten who they were. And they say, oh, I've got my ticket punched. I'm ready to go. Well, you may be ready for go, but you're not ready when you get there. Because there's a, some accountability there. A doer of the Word is one that rises up every day and allows his Father to guide him through that day. Because his desire is to be pleasing to his Father. I don't know about your dad, but my dad, I had great love and respect for my dad. I was blessed to have a, a great father. He didn't have to whip me very often because I so desired to be pleasing to him. It hurt me when I made him mad. And he had a boot that would uh, remind me at certain places that I hurt him. He never spanked me a lot, but he could kick a football a good 75 yards, I know, because I felt like he kicked me a few yards a time or two. But not a lot. You say, well, he was an abusive father. No. He was a loving, caring father that his boy had pushed him too far. And he, he went to getting a hold of my brain exactly where I had it, which was in my back pocket. 
But I had great respect for my father. And I was blessed. And I wished I could talk to him today because he had all the answers that I needed. I missed that. Well, that's the way my Heavenly Father is. He's got all the answers I need, and all i got to do is go to Him. In the past few weeks, I, we made it through October, and I told God, I said, we finished October, God. I said, November's going to be a dream. I'm going to get back to praying and studying more, not letting all this stuff happen. And then that little tornado came through. And there's been something going on every day. But finally, it's slowing down a little bit. And I really have missed being able just to pray and be alone with my father more than I have been because we've been so busy. God doesn't desire for me to be just a doer of events. He said, I want you to get in my word. I want you to walk with me and let me speak to you. Not just a teacher of the Word on Wednesday night, but God teaches me on Wednesday night what He desires for me. A lot of the things He's teaching y'all, I have been through a lot of them. But there's still application for me too. Because you see, I want to represent the Word in my life. I want to be a representative of my Father. That in all the things I do, whether I'm joking or kidding around, at least people know I love my Heavenly Father. And that I believe His Word. And I practice that Word. Because that's what we're all asked to do. Is to be a doer of the Word, not a hearer only. And we were talking this morning, I, I get frustrated as I look into the world and I see where people are going and the decisions they're making and the radical ideas. I don't know about you, but it bothers me because I know there's a better way. I don't think we ought to have crooks and thieves up there as politicians. I think we need a bunch of godly men and women up there guiding this nation. I think the Word of God ought to be ahead of the Constitution because it ought to be first and then the Constitution because that's what the writers of the Constitution used for their format was the Word of God. So they intended for the Word of God to be there. But what's happened is we've tried to move God out of it and, and rewrite things and say, well, we need to keep God out of government. That's not what the amendments were saying there to, to separate the church and, and government. It was to keep government out of the church. In other words, the government not tell the church what they ought to be doing like they had been doing the church in England had been being run by the government and was put pressure on them to be that. They wouldn't accept any other denominations or anything. The government was ruling over the churches. So here in America, when our forefathers wrote the Constitution, they said there would be a freedom to worship and the government would not interfere in that act of worship. They wouldn't get involved. They never wrote and said, keep God out of government.
because they wanted God in the midst of even Benjamin Franklin, who was not a believer, was not a Christian, was in full agreement with that term. Because even though he didn't follow Christ, he knew that the teachings of Christ were what this nation needed to be on. And we ought to get back to that. And that's the kind of politicians we ought to be having and quit looking for the super liberal. And that's why I got frustrated Tuesday. Because I looked around and this nation chose people. I'm not saying they were bad people, but they didn't have the values I have. They didn't exalt the values that I have. I've seen God bless this nation in ways that... Folks, this has been the wealthiest nation there ever was. In a matter of a little over 240 years, this nation has impacted the world greater than any other empire, any other country, or any other thing that's ever been. They, if World War I and World War II were won because the Americans fought that war. They would have lost it if it hadn't been for the Americans in the political and the, the industrial might that rose up. And the people, and the, there were more Americans killed than just about any American soldiers than any other thing. And it, it saved this world. Why? Because God had blessed this country. And what have we done with God here lately? Get out of here. And not only do we want him out, we want anybody that loves him out. But yet God says, you're to be a doer of the word. So we are the light of this nation, even though this nation is going a different way. So it's time for God's church to rise up and say, I'm not going to be a hearer, but I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to proclaim God to the world, and I'm going to do it in spite of them. And that's why God's reached out to a bunch of old country folks called the cowboy churches because they were not willing to knuckle under to political correctness. So you're a special group. Because God said, I need somebody that just doesn't care what somebody else thinks. They care about what I think. So we've got to rise up and realize the fate of this United States and the fate of other countries rest upon what we do as God's church. Because as the, the tribulation period comes, as the latter days come, there's going to be more and more lies and deceptions and, and frustrating things. But yet God's church is here today for a hope to the lost and dying world so that at least people will have a place to come and be a part and can enter into some doors of what we call a sanctuary. What is a sanctuary? It's a place where you can come out of the world and get revived. And you can sing and you can worship, you can love, you, you can just be with one another. And when we go out these doors, we can carry that same love and that same desire out to the people out there and begin to impact them just like you did Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and throughout the week when the things you've done, you're doing it to Butch, you're doing it to others, you can just do that. The group that got up here and sang today, I got a blessing out of it. Because they, they're not drawing a nickel. They're up there praising God because they have a heart to praise Him. 
and you ought to have a heart to praise him too. And even though you can't, might not get up here, you ought to sing from there. And you ought to sing just as loud as some of these kids were singing when we put that microphone. You didn't see many of them back up. I know we didn't see Quinn back up. That girl is not bashful. She doesn't mind telling you what she thinks and who she loves. You ought to learn from some of these kids. Be just as bold as they are to say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Where's my Chuck at? Chuck, where you at? Oh, he go out there? You ask Chuck if he loves Jesus. Now, I have to guarantee you, he'll say yes. He loves Jesus. But James wrote to be doers of the Word. John wrote that the Word was God, and we are the Word, and our example is Jesus Christ. Next week, you're going to find out a prayer that Jesus prayed for you over 2,000 years ago. And he mentions you as an individual group. Not by name, but he mentions you in that prayer. And he prays for you what you will be and what his church should be. And folks, it survived 2,000 years of persecution, martyrdom, corruptness, people trying to destroy it. Because even if, with all man's in intervention and corruption of it, his church is still alive and well. And truth is still alive and well. It's not as well as it ought to be because not every preacher is preaching the truth. Not every church is preaching the truth. But God's remnant will always preach the truth. So let me ask you this. Is it better for you to be politically correct or correct in God's eyes? What do you want? Let me ask you. If you want to be correct in God's eyes, raise your hand. Okay. At least I know where this church is going. Then that means some people are going to hate you. They're going to despise you. They're going to make fun of you. But you know what? You won't have to put up with them very long. And you can look at them and in love say, if I'm right, what does that do for you? If you're right and God's not alive and not well, what difference does that make? You know, because if we're wrong, what have we lost? We've lived a good life. Uh, and, stuff, and, and it's hard for me to even talk this way because I know I'm right. But if by chance I'm not, what what have I done? Man, I've been blessed. I'm blessing people. I'm doing good. I'm living a good life. And if if when I die it's just over, then what have I lost? But let me ask you this. If I'm right, and you're as an unbeliever wrong, what have you lost? Because the Bible says there's a place of eternity with wailing and gnashing of teeth. And there's also a place of great joy and happiness. 
I disagree with the mansion made of gold and lined with silver. Mine's not. My spot in heaven is natural stone with some with some logs up there and a little cabin and a rocking chair and some living water. That's my gold right there. The whole idea of gold is something precious. And in my eyes, I want to be in that part. I want to be across the tracks from the gold, okay? That's too much polishing. I want to be where a little dust doesn't hurt anything. I'm just going to reach off the porch and grab me some fruit off the right there. It's going to, it's going to be a great place. And I'm going to be in the presence of God because if you go on and read over there, uh, in, I was reading in Revelation, uh, I forget exactly what chapter it was. It's talking about those that come out of the great tribulation are going to stand before the throne of God for eternity praising Him. I'm going to be there when I'm not on the porch because I'm going to praise my God because I'm going to live through all this torment. So if they're wrong or if you're wrong as an unbeliever, you've sold your soul out for a lie. And I'm going to live my life based upon the truth of this word. There have been smarter people than me or you who have tried to disprove God's word. There were two men one time set out. These were great. Uh, they were just smart guys. You know, I don't know what to say. They were scholars. They were great men. And they set out to disprove the Bible and the, the myth of Jesus Christ. And after two and a half years uh, of research and looking and stuff, they came up with this conclusion. There's more proof Jesus Christ is the Son of God than George Washington is the President of the United States. And they, began, they gave their life to Christ. Now they, they tried and, and, and went with the effort to try to destroy Christianity. Researched and did everything they could and they came out with a totally opposite opinion of what they started out with. That there was more ironclad evidence that Jesus Christ was the Son of God than that George Washington was your first president. And yet we put him on the dollar bill. Where should God be? Let me tell you where he's at. He's on his throne. The question is, is he on the throne of your life? Because he's on his throne. But who's on the throne of your life? Be a doer of the word and you'll find out he will be on the throne of your life. So the next few weeks, we're going to get over in a, another chapter of john and i'm not going to tell you because i want you to look for it it's somewhere between 1 and 21 so you find it somewhere and read it two or three times you'll figure it out and he's praying for you and we're going to go through that prayer and look at exactly what he said about you and what he prayed for you and the things we can do as we grow in our faith because I want you to be a great disciple and not just a believer or a hearer only. I want you to be a doer of the Word. And my responsibility is to teach you to be that. So you show up and I'll do everything I can to teach you to be a doer of the Word. And then God will be teaching you all in between. 
And, and I promise you, he'll teach you way more than I will. But I'm going to just plant a few seeds and then let him go with that. Are you up to that? I know some of you won't be here next week, but you can come there on Thanksgiving's right here in the middle of it. But we may just keep on this. We're going to stay on it till God says quit. And I'm going to preach some salvation message because I want more people to get saved. I want them to know the freedom that comes. But we're going to talk about growing in our faith and being prepared for the future, okay? Father, I open first of all and thank you and ask you to forgive us. Forgive us that we're not already the disciples we ought to be. But as we learn from the disciples and we learn that they weren't always where you wanted them either, but you lovingly and carefully brought them back to where they needed to be. You taught them day by day, situation by situation, of how to trust you. They would be in fear and trembling at a storm and then overwhelmed at the peace that you would lay upon the sea. They wondered how they would feed or eat themselves and yet you'd provide. And each day you taught them what it meant to be a disciple, a follower of you. And we want to be in that same category, Father. We want to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to be doers of the Word, getting up every day and doing exactly what you want through grace and truth so that we can be pleasing to you and be effective witnesses to this community. And I ask it in Jesus' name, knowing that he's the only one that's ever died to take away the sins of the world. So do you be the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you and you have a great week.